0: Hey, what's going on? It's John and it's time for the Cast for Monday, May 16th. What's going on, friends and family? Thank you for joining me yet again for another week. Hope you've had a great week. Mine's been alright. Had some good news, had some bad news. I'll start with the bad news. I just realized that I lost my nice pair of Sony headphones. I'm pretty upset about it because I'm pretty sure I was just an idiot and... Left it at the park without even thinking about it and just forgot about it and left. Went back just now many hours later and of course it's gone. But whatever, now I just have to uh, convince myself that whoever found it really uh, needed it. And this was a big boost in their day and maybe in their month, maybe in their life. Having found this nice pair of headphones and they're going to go on to do great things with with it and it's going to be a great asset to them moving forward. So it was actually better in their hands that they have this thing than rather than me. It was wasted on me, and this person's going to enjoy it way more, and it's going to be infinitely better for the universe for this person to have the pair of headphones that I paid for than for me to continue owning them because I clearly didn't care about it enough to pay attention to it and not just leave it randomly in the park. And with that, (laughs) moving on to the better... I guess uh, news. Well, first of all, I went to one jujitsu class this week, which was nice. We were practicing these like movements where you are sliding across towards your opponent, switching in your hips and and uh attacking their legs. That was interesting. Requires some good hip mobility that luckily I have, so that was uh, good good to practice. And then the other thing we were doing, we're, were were arm drags and this is a movement that i've been practicing since since uh high school when we were learning it in uh wrestling so this is a very familiar uh attack vector or just a, a, a drill to to practice so arm arm drags i've been doing my whole life and it was it was good I, the professor was like looking at my technique and was like it looks like you've done this more than i've ever practiced <laughs> which was a nice compliment to get And then the other awesome thing that happened this week to counter the shitty news of losing my nice Sony headphones was that I was able to recover some funds from a Lightning Node channel that I had. That probably makes no sense to anybody. (laughs) So I'm going to break that down into what it actually means. So Lightning is a network that is built on top of Bitcoin. Well, what is Bitcoin, John? All right, of course, it's that thing that I talk about every week on this show. Thank you for listening and learning about it with me. Um, So yeah, Bitcoin is... Well, first of all, before I go on, please, everybody, if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying it and you are getting some value out of it, could you please take a moment and review the podcast And also, if you think that somebody else might like listening to it, could you please send them a link of the episode right now, if you could just send off a quick little message, just hit that share button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whichever one you're using. Share that link with your favorite person, your your loved one, whoever, your spouse, your best friend, they might like it. You never know. I'd really appreciate it if you shared it. So yeah, please go ahead. Anyways, moving on, what is Bitcoin? Well, if you ask me what is Bitcoin, simple answer is Bitcoin is money. Next question is what is money? And then my answer to that has been money is three things. Money money is a store of value. It is a medium of exchange and it is a unit of account. And in order for money to be able to do those three services for us humans, it needs to be durable divisible scarce recognizable and portable portable across time and space so that's the answer to what is money and previously the best form of money was gold However, due to the physicality of gold and it being difficult to move gold around physically through space, we had to abstract gold into paper money. And basically, you would have these paper claims that you could use as money, but uh, they were always claims for the gold, which was the money itself. But of course, that system got overrun. And gold as a money has kind of been taken out of the system. And now we only have fiat currencies, right? So just paper money that is, so fiat means by decree. It's got value just simply by the decree of the government, the nation state, saying that it's got value and requiring its citizens to pay taxes in said uh, currency. Now, of course, with paper money, then we get funny business where we have unlimited printing of more and more money and debt being the main way of creating new money. Everyone leverages debt and basically turns things into these uh, asset bubbles like you had the 2000 um, know, dot-com bubble, followed by the 2008 finan- Great Financial Crisis. And as a response to these things happening, Bitcoin was invented after the Great Financial Crisis. And it basically came online, I think, early in to- in January of 2010. Sorry, I messed that up. January 3rd of 2009. So Bitcoin has been running since January 3rd of 2009 as an alternate system network of money that basically perfects on all those characteristics that I mentioned already, durability, divisibility, scarcity, recognizability, and portability. It's a digital form of money that copies itself on as many, you know, computer devices you could say as it as it can so in that way it's very durable it can live for hundreds of years it it won't be uh it's very difficult to destroy it in that way it's also highly divisible one bitcoin can be subdivided 100 million times each of those subunits are colloquially 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 called satoshis but you know They're just subunits. You can call them whatever you want. It's very scarce. There's an absolute scarcity to it. There's only going to ever be 21 million Bitcoin. In terms of the recognizability, it's very easy to verify if you have real Bitcoin or not. All you need is a node, which is not very hard it's a computer that is not very hard to uh, like spin up yourself I myself have my own node that I made up that I uh, made following a guide which is able to verify every single bitcoin transaction as well as audit the total number of bitcoin in on the network and so it's highly recognizable and then lastly in terms of portability that has also been perfected in that As a digital asset it can be sent across the globe uh, across any border and any nation's borders very cheaply and very quickly Uh, first of all the fees are very low doesn't matter if you have large quantities of Bitcoin or small quantities of Bitcoin the fee for moving it is based on the data it takes to complete that transaction and in terms of speed if you pay a high enough fee it can be validated within 10 minutes approximately so it's quite fast compared to the way like money works in today where you have, i don't know if you've ever tried to wire transfer money it takes forever and you can't make a mistake at all or else it's going to fail and you have to try to do it again but yeah so that's just me saying that bitcoin is better at all these qualities than the current form of fiat money than we have that we have but like How does Bitcoin actually work? What are are the nuts and bolts? What does it look like under the hood? So, yeah, let's see how to explain what Bitcoin is. One way to explain it is that to say it's a distributed ledger. And so what is a ledger? A ledger is a book or other collection of financial accounts. That's all it is. And distributed means that it is distributed across all all the computers across the net, the Bitcoin network, meaning that every single computer has the same copy of this ledger of financial accounts on their computer. But it's not actually financial accounts that are written on this ledger. It's actually just transactions, transactions between people from like uh, person A to person B, person B to person C, so on and so forth. All it is is just a bunch of transactions saying person A is sending this amount of Bitcoin to person B and so on and so forth. Sorry to be (laughs) um, repeating myself there, my bad. But so the interesting thing is that how is it that we're able to have something digital that like can't be copied and can't be sent, spent multiple times. Like, how does that happen, right? Because we, if, if we think of other digital files, like digital music, digital documents, those can easily be copied infinite numbers of times. And, you know, it, like, why is it that with Bitcoin, you can't do that and it can only be spent once? Well, so there's a lot of technical explanations that go into this. But one of the explanations is that the transactions don't get recorded on the blockchain right away. If you have a new transaction that you'd like to do uh, between you and person A, B, whatever, your person A, their person B, that transaction won't get recorded for at least 10 minutes. So what happens is you create the transaction, then you send it out into the Bitcoin network, and then... Basically, the nodes on the network validate the transaction, make sure everything's correct, and then they pass it on to other nodes. And it keeps getting passed on and on until it reaches uh, specific special nodes, which are called minor nodes. And these nodes are doing these, basically, they're called like math calculations. But essentially, all they're doing is they're doing this thing called a hash function, which I only learned about recently. This is, again, related to cryptography. But... They're taking all the new transactions that are being added, are wanting to be added to, to the, the blockchain, and they're doing this hash function that basically changes into all these new transactions being sent into a number. It's kind of funny how it works, but it just turns it into a new number, but it's always a number with the same number of digits. Now, whatever that number is, it gets compared to a difficulty target number, And if this hash number is smaller than the target difficulty number, then that miner gets to be the next person who adds these set of transactions to the blockchain. And as a reward for guessing this weird hash number, they also get a new virgin set of Bitcoin that gets created with every new block added. Did that make sense? (laughs) I'm going to re-listen to this and see if it actually makes sense. So I re-listened to that, and I'm not sure if that made sense at all. So I'm going to give it one more try. Please apologize. I apologize for, um, I don't know, going on about this. But I don't know. I think it's interesting, and it's cool to try to explain it. Because then the more I try to explain it, the better I'll get at it. The more you listen to it different ways, maybe the more it'll make sense for you. So let's give it one more shot. So... You, let's say, want to make a transaction where you send Bitcoin um, from your wallet to somebody else's wallet. What you will do is create a transaction saying that I'm sending my Bitcoin to this other person's address. And then you will send that transaction to a node, which will verify that you've written the transaction everything correctly. And then it will pass that to other nodes it it's connected to. The transaction will keep getting passed on and on until it reaches special nodes, which are called minor nodes. What these nodes do is they collect all the new transactions that are coming in, and then they do this thing called a hash function. And all the hash function does is it takes all these all this data of the new of the new transactions coming in. And it does this weird mathematical function to it that spits out a number. It's always the same number of digits that the new number comes out. And what you do is you just like the the way the network works is it has a difficulty number that it prescribes and whatever hash number comes out gets compared to the difficulty number. If the hash number is smaller than the difficulty number, then that's it. That's like the bingo moment where... The minor node that hashed that number lower than the difficulty number is the winner of the lottery system where that node gets to add the new block to the blockchain with all these new transactions that came in. And as a reward, they get to add one extra transaction where they give themselves the extra new Bitcoin that gets created every new block. So currently we're at the era where six and a quarter new Bitcoin gets created for every new block. At the beginning when Bitcoin first started in 2009, it was 50 new Bitcoin per block. Every so often the number of new Bitcoin that gets released per block is halved until the point where we reach 21 million Bitcoin. And so this method solves that double spend problem where because you have to wait, About 10 minutes or so for this like hash number to be guessed that's smaller than the target number. It takes a while for the like 10 minutes or so for the transaction to go through and then and it basically forces a specific order of transactions that just it can't be changed. The transactions are given a very specific order thanks to this hash function and the order can't be changed. So once the order is decided, then if you don't own the Bitcoin, it's not in your wallet, then you can't spend it. So then the next question is, how do you know you own Bitcoin? And the answer to that is you need the key to Bitcoin and specifically the private key to the wallet in which the Bitcoin sits in. Right? So let me break this down. We have the blockchain on the blockchain. We have transactions. The way the transactions are formed on the blockchain or the way they're written is they have an amount of Bitcoin that it says is in a specific address. And that address is derived from a public key, which is derived from a private key. And these keys are just simply numbers. So I talked about this a little bit in the previous podcast, but basically the private key is just a really, really large number. Uh, such a large number that it would be impossible to guess. And with that number, through math, you can derive infinite numbers of public keys. And with those public keys, you can drive addresses that people can use those addresses and in the blockchain write that they're sending their Bitcoin to those addresses. And then you, as the owner of the private key that generated the public keys and the addresses corresponding to those private and public keys, are the only person who can use those keys to move the Bitcoin around to other addresses. So interestingly, Bitcoin is always just sitting on the blockchain which is this distributed ledger that's sits on the internet that everyone has access to view and then what you own when you own bitcoin is you don't actually own the bitcoin you own the secret key which is a large number the secret key that gives you the ability to change the location of the bitcoin on the blockchain by simply saying this bitcoin in this address which i hold the secret key to i am changing the location of that to another address and you know whoever holds the secret keys to that address can now uh, decide where it goes next that's kind of how the system works (laughs) let me re listen to that and see how i did this time with this second concept all right so i think i did okay on that one and so that's a main description of the Bitcoin main chain it's called. And that's not actually what I got my Bitcoin from that. I was saying earlier where my story started that I got funds back. What I got funds back was from the lightning network and the lightning network is like this second layer on top of Bitcoin that helps you use Bitcoin in a little bit even better of a way where the transactions are faster. They're basically instantaneous and The fees for the transactions are even less than what they are on chain. And so how does that happen? So what are the nuts and bolts of the Lightning Network? Let me see if I can try to explain that. All right. So in order to explain that, I already have to slightly augment what I was saying earlier about using the private key to move Bitcoin to different addresses on the blockchain. So you don't actually use The private key itself, because you always want to keep the private key private. You don't want anybody else to know what your private key is because that's a secret. If somebody else had your secret, they could move your funds. So instead, with your private key, you can create a digital signature that other people can verify that is your digital signature without knowing what your private key is. This is again related to cryptography. And I don't know the nuts and bolts of it well enough to actually explain it any more than that, but I think that's good enough. And so that takes us to the next step where we can talk about multi-signature wallet addresses where these are wallets that require the digital signatures of two separate private keys in order to allow for the Bitcoin in those addresses to be moved to other addresses. So the Lightning Network takes advantage of this multi-signature wallet address setup up by creating channels. So what a channel is, is basically it's a multi-signature wallet address between two separate entities who can do an on-chain transaction to load those addresses with their bitcoin funds now why would you send your money into a wallet address where you need somebody else's secret private key in order to move the funds well the way that these channels are set up is that if they're ever closed whatever amount you funded the channel from your side gets sent back to you and whatever your partner funded from their side gets sent back to them so you don't have to worry about it because you'll just get your money back but now why would you set up a channel with somebody else to begin with well the reason is is you can do a single on-chain bitcoin transaction to just set up the channel one time but then after that, you don't have to do any more on-chain transactions to decide how you're going to divvy up the funds that you've loaded up into the channel. So let's say me and my friend load up 5 Bitcoin each into our channel. Now, we have the ability to either send 5 Bitcoin, five Bitcoin to each other or receive five Bitcoin from one another and you can do this without incurring an on-chain transaction which required the fees the higher fees and then the longer time period to wait you can just kind of decide amongst yourselves kind of think of it like a bar tab basically right you have let's say you go to a bar and you give your credit card and you order many drinks throughout the night And you're instantly get your drink as soon as you ask the waiter, let's say, to get your drink, but they just keep a tally of all the drinks you have. And at the end of the night, they add everything up and they do one transaction to, you know, check you out, put everything together and you pay it once and you're good to go. You don't have to do multiple transactions every time you order a drink, right? So in a similar way with this lightning network, you open this channel with a partner and within the channel you can do multiple infinite really number of transactions back and forth with the funds that you've put in put in there back and forth without having to incur this on on-chain transaction where you do the thing that I previously discussed where you say you're sending your bitcoin to a wallet address and that has to be then you know verified and sent to the miner, which then gets hashed and then eventually gets back to the blockchain, you don't long you can kind of skip that step by just simply having this open channel with somebody. But the cool thing is that not only can you only do this with the person who you have an open channel with, you can also do this with whoever you have a channel with that person, whoever they have channels to. And so it quickly becomes this like six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing where you can actually basically reach anybody on the network as long as they're connected to the network through this hopping mechanism where you can connect to someone through a channel and then connect to the people they're connected to through their channels to make these payments without having to do these on-chain transactions. Instead, you do Lightning Network transactions. And so I had figured out how to not only set up a regular Bitcoin Bitcoin node, but also a Lightning node where I had open channels with a bunch of people on the network, and which allowed me to basically to use my Bitcoin in a way where I could quickly make these transactions instantaneously without having to incur the higher fees. And it was working fine, except I had one issue where... It turns out that the power supply I was using for the machine was not the one that was recommended, and it ended up corrupting my SSD hard drive, which made my Lightning Note go down. And then when it went down at the time, basically what it it does is whatever channels you have opened, it just closes them and you get all your funds back. But unfortunately... There were two channels that I'd opened that were down uh, due to whatever reason. But the people who I was, you know, who were my channel partners, their nodes were also down. And so because my node went down, their nodes were down, our channels uh, couldn't be, like, rescued and the funds couldn't return. And so these are called zombie channels. (laughs) And so they've been sitting there since, like, March this year. Uh, because that's when this happened. And finally, I was able to find somebody online who knows how to recover the funds from these zombie channels. And luckily, they were awesome. And they had written this guide, actually, which was actually hard to follow. And they were nice enough to just help me through with their time and get through the guide. And I was able to recover my funds back. So it's pretty dope. I'm pretty excited. So all of that preamble that I just said was... So I could explain the story of how I got my money back, which is <laughs> great and all, but you know, it turns out to be an even-steven kind of week because I got some money back, but then I also lost my nice pair of Sony headphones, so there you go. That's all I got for you this week. Thank you for listening. Please reach out. I'm jmartfit on Twitter and Instagram, and please stay active, be grateful. Jmart out.